In this episode, I met with local musician Brant Park. Brant and I first met about five years ago when I checked out his band Mr. Master for the first time when they were playing a gig at Luigi's Pizza in Fife, Washington. Each time I've had the opportunity to catch Mr. Master, they've always put on a solid performance. If you are in the Pacific Northwest, it's highly recommended you catch one of their shows. With his ever-evolving style of songwriting and playing, Brand has put out a six-track solo release entitled Walk Through the Park, which he released back in January 2019. He is currently involved with another project, a two-man band known as Break. We got together to discuss music, influences, art, the Seattle music scene, some of the best shows he attended when he was growing up, what is next for his band, Mr. Master and Break, as well as his solo projects. It was great to spend time getting to know this incredible musician and equally awesome human being. So without further ado, here's my interview with musician, guitar player extraordinaire, and all around incredibly awesome dude, Brant Park. So today I'm here with Brant Park. I originally met him, geez, it's been at least three, maybe four years, uh, down at Luigi's Pizza down in Fife, playing in a band called Mr. Master. And since that time, um, you know, we've, we've kept in contact um, just because of the awesome Seattle music scene. And I do know that he's got other projects in the pipeline or things that he has been working on. So number one, how are things going? Things are going great, man. I'm super glad you're here. And thanks again for talking to me. Uh, things are really good. Um, moved up to Seattle or back to Seattle, I should say, about six months ago. Okay. Um, and that placed me right in to the hub of where I needed to be. It's opened up <clears throat> all these projects I'm doing now um, in a very convenient and efficient way for my lifestyle. And I live 10 minutes away from work and I couldn't be more stoked on where I'm at right now. Very good. So um, Mr. Master, had they've developed a really good following. Thank you. And shortly after you and I met, uh, one thing I noticed or one thing that you had put together was a solo project. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about that just a little bit? Because yeah. I, I, I only know of it from what you post on right. your social medias right. and stuff that I've listened to. But what was, A, the inspiration behind it? How did it come together? And was it something you've been thinking about or had germinated and sprouted a long time ago and it just finally came to fruition? Sure, absolutely. Uh, that is, that whole thing's a little interesting. It sort of just kind of happened over time. Uh, I'm primarily a writer. I consider myself a writer first and a guitar player second. So I'm always writing, you know, lyrics and music notes and various things like that. And for many years, about eight years now, Mr. Master has been my sole project, sure. my main musical gig. And so all my writing was kind of focused around that. <clears throat> but naturally, you know, over time and uh, growing as a writer, uh, I would have these songs that weren't necessarily for Mr. Master, sure. like not genre related, or the guys weren't a huge fan of him, whatever. And back in, I think it was about two years ago now-ish, when I, I was just flipping through the songs that hadn't been recorded or you know practiced, and I'm like, God, I've got you know five or six of these that I really like, that I think are pretty good and are different. And which is when I decided to uh, put together this solo EP kind of thing. And it was really a trial and error kind of learning experience. That was part of the reason why I wanted to do that too. Because I recorded all of it on my own in like three different rooms in the places I was staying at the time. And which was great experience for me learning how to track acoustically, uh, which was new at the time. And do uh, just recording in a way I've never done it before really. And my good friend, Michael Parent, who I've known from 
for four years, for many years actually, uh, from Tataris and Cradle Man sang on the record. Okay. So I wrote everything and he sang because his voice is awesome. <laughs> so check him out, sure. absolutely what he's doing. He's, he's amazing. And it was really just a fun experiment. Um, I did share a little bit. It's up on all the platforms, Spotify and Bandcamp and SoundCloud and all that stuff. But I didn't really push it super hard because I, it just didn't feel like something I, I wanted to, I don't know, make more at the time. I learned a lot and I'm happy with it. But now I know for the next uh, solo thing I'm doing, I have a much better idea of what I want, how to do it, and kind of have a better vision. So um, hopefully this next EP or demo I'm going to release as a solo artist will be much more honed in and I can really promote it and try and maybe do more gigs on my own sure. with that. And for the next one, do you are, are you going to try and do the same thing, just do everything in on your own in-house, or do you plan on doing some studio work? Sure. I honestly don't know. I definitely want to keep recording on my own because I have the gear and I want to get better at that. Sure. And with something like that, it's a lot easier because it's just me, you know, and I can do it really whenever. But I would also, especially if I'm really happy with the songs or have a good feeling about any of them, I would definitely think about going into the studio and getting some professional work done for it because uh, especially if I want to try and, you know, get it on the radio or play gigs, it has to be the best that it could be. And that's not necessarily what I can do. And that's okay. But um, I think that'll just kind of be a game time decision. Right. Yeah. But the good thing about it, um, people kind of pigeonhole artists, mm -hmm. like musicians or whomever, as kind of having like tunnel vision and only wanting to do what they want to do, um, which I don't find to be necessarily true or true at all. Um, the one thing that I noticed about you in particular is you, you have Mr. Master, which is this more of an eclectic rock and roll yeah. band. Then you have the, a complete 180 doing your own solo acoustic stuff. The great thing about that is, is that A, it, if you're on your own, there's no one there to back you up. People will notice the mistakes that you make when you play. And also at the same time, you're, you're sitting there telling me that I, I want to keep learning and keep evolving, which means you're that's the humility and the humility of of being an artist, wanting to keep growing and not having, you know, the know-it-all attitude. Um, how long have you been playing, and where did this attitude or mental attitude come from, and who, or what may have instilled this in you? Did you find that at an early age, at a younger age, or? Sure, and yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, I've been playing the guitar. Guitar has always been my main instrument and what I started on. And I've been playing for about sixteen years now. And um, I was just all in from the get-go. I was about 13 when I picked it up. And just from the start, it was just, just 100%. Excuse me. And took lessons for many years. Um, participated in a bunch of different bands. Played percussion in high school. Um, played in a jazz band. Eventually went to college and got a music degree. Um, pursued that, which was awesome. And I'm, I'm glad I did that. Um, it, it's never been... There's been it, no question about it. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Sure. So going through all of that really helped me kind of hone that in. Um, and uh, being raised by a great family, very grateful for that, you know, always to be humble and, you know, work hard and show people what you can do. Don't, don't talk about it, you know. Right. Prove yourself and just learn and experience and grow. So I've always been instilled with that uh, as a child. Just do your best. Don't quit. Work hard and 
typically good things will happen for you. And um, it was a little terrifying for me because I became so comfortable as a guitar player uh, playing, you know, in different outlets and stuff that mm -hmm. recording, I had just no experience with whatsoever until I, I was in college. I took a composition course that um, I needed some recording gear for, which is when I got my setup that I have downstairs. Sure. Um, and I, I took a couple lessons on how to, you know, be able to track something, and that was really it. And then you just like go in, man, and figure it out, really. Sure. Which is what I did, and it was terrifying because I don't like that. As you know, <laughs> fundamentally, I don't like that. I like knowing what you know, like do this, this. So it was, it was good for me though. It was really good and very humbling because I didn't know what I was doing, and um, just through experience and just messing around with different things. At this point, I feel pretty comfortable with how to get a decent sound out of what I want. Okay. And so my new project, my new duo, Break. Um, it's me and Jake Neville, guitar and drums. Uh, we did our demo recording, which hopefully we're going to release soon, down in the basement. And going into that, I had a much clearer vision, like what you're saying, as to how to make this like pretty decent without spending a lot of time. So um, just e experiencing the success from just messing with that and learning. It's like, I, this is something I have to keep doing. Right. You know, feel, and it feels good. It's like, like cooking a meal. You know, you feel it's satisfying. It's like, yeah, I did this. I, I built this or created this. And I like that. So, um... So you're talking about break. Yeah. How did that come about? And, and um, I've seen, again, stuff that you post on social media. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, you know that uh, my, you know my son, Zach, and his situation. So I'm starting to get back into the swing of, hey, what have I missed the last couple of years with the Seattle stuff? And I'm trying to get re reconnect with everybody. Absolutely. And which is the, one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you because we've worked on a couple of things together. Yes. And... Not, but as an individual and with Mr. Master, but I also wanted to know, hey, tell me more about what you got going on because this is stuff I really want to be checking out, especially since I work for a lot of the local magazines, yeah. like Seattle Music Insider, just to get, it's great covering national acts, but there's nothing more satisfying seeing those homegrown acts awesome. that start small and start to spread out and eventually, hopefully one day we'll make the big time. For sure, man. Um, yeah, that and that's my goal right there. Hopefully to to get to where I can do this full time. Uh, break was is <laughs> still pretty new. Sure. A remarkably happy accident that we both stumbled upon. <laughs> it was not expected, um, which I think uh, is part of the reason why it's got such a cool vibe and why it's gotten some good traction in such a little amount of time. Is because it was so organic, how everything came together. Um, like I mentioned a little bit before, Jake Neville, who plays drums, mm -hmm. uh, I, he and I met through Seattle scene, Seattle music scene. Mm -hmm. He and the Poe Brothers, which is previous band, moved out here from Indiana to do music. And uh, Poe Brothers was doing really well, and then eventually that kind of um, stopped. And uh, we all maintained, you know, our friendships and hung out and. Jake and I happened to have a day each week where we were both free and wanted to jam and kind of do some different stuff. And just from there, it started like, this is fun. And we have some consistency with when we can play. Here's some ideas. Oh, let's write some lyrics. Oh, let's record. And now we played one show so far, mm -hmm. uh, which was awesome. We play our next show on Monday, January 13th at the sunset. And now we've got like eight songs. Like I said, we're almost done with the demo recording. We're planning on doing some actual studio time soon with a friend. Um, we've got 
image ideas and just we're we're all in, man. And it's really cool. It's really exciting um, to have that consistency because that is, I think, the most vital component of any sort of entrepreneurial thing. Like you, you got to be able to get together. And I think that has shown. And we're having a blast. And um, everyone's been very supportive. And it's been a lot of fun so far. And I'm singing, which is another new thing for me. So it allows me to get better as a singer and get more confident. And um, same with Jake. He sings as well. And it's just a good experience all around for us. So I'm really excited to see how it unfolds this year. Now let's take a couple steps back and let's yeah. go talk about Mr. Master. Yeah. Um, they're not on the back burner at all, are they? I mean, no. So not at all. And with all the amount of time you've invested in your solo project yeah. and now with Break, yeah. where does that leave Mr. Master? That's a good question, man. I'm honestly not sure. It's definitely not on the back burner. I've, since I've been in Seattle, since I moved back up here, I've been here for six months now, mm -hmm. I've gotten the chance to think and kind of really figure out what I want personally and um, how to be efficient with my time. Sure. And that's why none of the projects I'm a part of take precedence or, you know, priority because uh, at the end of the day, I want music to be my life. I want to make a living doing music. If that's with Mr. Master, I'm all in. If that's with Break, you know, I'm going to go for it. If that's with something completely different, you know, I want music to happen. So the fact that uh, currently the, me and the three other Master guys, we all live in different cities Literally. <laughs> um, we all work full-time jobs with different schedules, normal adult stuff. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard to get together. Um, we play really well. We have a really great chemistry. Our current lineup has been together for like five years now, and we're solid, and we have a blast, and people like us. But we're just having a hard time finding that consistency, like I was mentioning with Break, that Break has. Mm -hmm. um, so due to that, I'm not stressing out about it, but I'm also not gonna just sit around worrying, you know, I, I gotta do what I need to do to be a musician. Right. And so, and the guys get that, and we're working on it, and uh, we're gonna record a new single we just found out, more sooner than later, so that's really exciting. And I'm rehearsing with them tomorrow down south, so. Uh, I just gotta keep my priorities straight and be honest with myself in terms of what can, actually happen with the situation we're in so uh and it's hard again because they're like four three of my best friends we're like married you know it's like sure. mar being married to your best friends you know and uh we definitely don't want to stop and we're not going to but it has been a little tricky trying to coordinate the schedule so uh this year that's mr master's main i think priority is to try and figure something out that makes it a little easier for us to get together more often nice yeah aside from recording the single yeah. and any shows Coming up? Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, play on Valentine's Day. We got our big bar show at the Rolling Log Tavern in Issaquah. It's one of our spots. Um, Ian, our singer, uh, he's from that area. And so we're playing there on February 14th from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. It's free, uh, 21 up, but it's always packed, man. We play for like three hours, bunch of covers, our original stuff. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a ball. It's, gonna, it's, it's great. So if you're in the area, you should come out and... and chill because it's, it's always a blast. Uh, so after that though, with Master, that's, yeah, that's it right now. 
we got that big cover gig, so we're, we focus on that. And right now we're trying to get into Portland, so we're doing a lot of booking and kind of back-end stuff to try and, you know, uh, spread out a little bit, get out of Seattle for a minute and uh, explore new territory, um, try and lock stuff in. But we're going to be booking springtime here shortly, and uh, hopefully we can, um, yeah, spread out a little bit. Understood. Yeah. It needs to happen. It's about time, you know. So let's go back to your upbringing. You yeah. mentioned, you know, having a supportive family, talking about playing in the jazz band. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of stumbled upon music as, as by accident. Um, actually, not really by accident, kind of like indirectly. Uh, when I was in grade school, I met this kid, and he was like, hey, I play clarinet in the, in the school band. Nice, yeah. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try that out too, because yeah. it's kind of like a segue into playing saxophone. Yeah. So you couldn't join the band until you were in fifth grade, so I did that. And you couldn't get to like an intermediate or advanced bands until you were like in sixth grade. Right. The advanced band was for seventh and eighth. Yeah. Within six months, I was in the advanced band Gosh. because I picked it up so well. Um, then I joined the jazz band in, in college because I'm like, you know what? Everybody plays guitar. I'm going to try my hand at bass. Yeah. And they were asking me, do you read bass clef? I'm like, no, but you tell me what key it's in. I'll figure it yeah, out. Exactly. And so um, I've been very, very lucky in the fact that anything creative I've been really good at. Awesome. And I don't know how that came about. And it's, sure. it's just one of those really cool things that yeah. happens um, with photography and now videography. Um, when you were talking about jazz band, that's why it's it spurred the like, oh wow, I remember th those right. days. Yeah. So, what was it like? You know, you, you get your first guitar and you're playing there, trying to figure out how to tune it and whatnot. Yeah. Still um, trying to figure out how to tune it. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you go back and look at those days, what yeah. were what were the influences, or what was it that made you decide I want to be a guitar player? It's a great question. Honestly, man, uh, very similar to what you just said. Um, I grew up in a like I said, very supportive family. I'm still very close to my parents, hang out all the time. They're big kids. Like, you know, we have a blast together. But yeah, growing up, uh, my parents aren't musicians. There are a few in my family, my, you know, kind of further further out family. But um, yeah, neither, neither of my parents are musicians, but both love music. So growing up, I have a ton of memories of, you know, just car rides or family parties like Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, ACDC, Eric Clapton, like classic rock and blues. Every, every event, every car ride, you know. And so I got a heavy dose of all that stuff when I was very young and throughout my upbringing, which I'm very grateful for. And I think that's what led me to collect music still to this day. Just like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And just the vibe it you get, right? Um, but when, because like I said, I didn't start playing music like physically until I was 13. I picked up a guitar. But for years up until that point, as long as I can remember, you know, like my dad and I would have jam sessions mm -hmm. in like, uh, you know, the living room. We'd beat on the coffee table too. Sure. And, you know, a, a Zeppelin, out, yep, air guitar, sing or whatever. And I, after I started playing music, I didn't really understand how it was such a, like, this is who I am. Because mm -hmm. like, even before I played, it made me, I was so just dialed into it, fat, like infatuated with it and still am. It's like this, yeah, it's always been the case. Mm -hmm. So um, listening to all that great stuff and being surrounded by that really allowed me to have a natural understanding as well and appreciation of what it does to humans, like the, the way it makes you feel. Um, so I, it really was just a matter of time before I got my hands on something. And then once I learned that I can, hey, I can actually do this. Because mm -hmm. I saw a friend of mine, he played guitar and he's still amazing. It's like, I want to do that. Like he's like a couple years older, but he's awesome and I want to do that. And then 
from there it was game over, man. It's like, because I love learning, you know? I love learning and um, I, I'm kind of a recluse despite the social, you know, situation that sure. I am as a musician. But like, so sitting in my room and just practicing and practicing was perfect for me. Um, and it allowed me to really thrive. And uh, it's, it's been like that ever since. So I'm just grateful to have had a, um, uh, like uh, just being exposed to it. Like the real, real good stuff. Like that fundamentally good rock and roll or the blues and then just grow from there, go into jazz and grunge and metal. And um, it was cool. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, and then so the one thing I learned while learning music or playing in the jazz band or was, okay, I had, I had this tunnel vision growing up. I'm like, okay, it's metal or nothing. Yeah. Because that's just how I was. Sure. But then when I started playing jazz and I started realizing, like, wow, it's a massive different beast to learn how to play everything but on writing the root. <laughs> yes. And so exactly. um, then I started branching out and I started playing in funk bands and country bands and just keep them an open mind. Yeah. And once I started to realize, once I opened my mind to the probability or the possibilities of maybe playing other music, those influences started affecting everything to the point where you can just feel yourself getting in. It's a totally cheesy saying, getting into the groove. It's a total mindset. And I noticed that with my Brazilian jiu-jitsu. People always ask me all the time, like, dude, why do you roll with your eyes closed? Well, number one, I can't see without my glasses. And number two, once you start getting into that mind space of you can feel everything, it's like, it's, it's it's hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. It's uh, really indescribable. Um, it, it's funny because I was actually talking to one of my guitar clients who I give lessons to this morning about that sort of thing. And he, he's, having, he's an older gentleman, sure. but uh, you know, was having a little bit of issues with articulation and finding the right string and you know, fretting the right string and all that stuff. And he's like, I need my glasses. I'm like, definitely use your glasses. Yes. Like you're at the point still, you know, look, but Man, you're, you need to get to the point where you you can't rely on your eyes, and you shouldn't. And like what you said, like you feel it, like you just know where you're at, you know what you want, you know how to get it, and your eyesight does, at that point, nothing for you. And getting into that groove, like you said, it's very real, man. You, you hone in, and you know, uh, all of my education with music, like, and I'm maybe the same with martial arts or music for you, um, you learn to forget kind of like you learn all this stuff right and then it's like don't think about any of it like you can't think about any of it right like you said with jazz like nope don't think about the next chord <laughs> it's like well oh, shit i don't <laughs> what do i what do i play it's like no just feel it man yep. and it took years to figure that out uh same with rock or whatever like you just got to let it go you know and you we work so hard to acquire these abilities and techniques and stuff and um i really think as an individual, you are the most genuine when you do let that stuff go, if you can, because you're just being 100% real. You know, you're not trying to, your mind isn't manipulating your decisions to do certain things. Um, and that's where, for me, all, all the greats on any instrument come from. You can, you hear them and you can tell, like, they're in it, man. Mm-hmm. Whether you can see it or you can just hear it or both, like, you, they're in the zone. And that's, you know, I think a big reason why so many people, um, so many of those guys are still relevant today um it, it's just because you can't duplicate that right you can't mimic that i can't you know copy your um uh internal feelings you know and vice versa or yours or anyone's and so 
the fact that uh, these musicians and artists on all levels take this just independent stand to like, this is me. And that's, you know, that's awesome and admirable. And that's where I want to be. You know, I want to be myself as much as I can. And that, you know, getting in the groove, I think is the fundamental aspect of that. Kind of letting it go and just feeling it, man. Being real, yeah. You mentioned a minute ago that you still continue to learn and evolve in regards to playing or teaching or I have found personally um, those who who calls themselves master or Jedi at anything tend to be the ones who think they know everything and know very little. Those that I find that are very, very good at what they do are very, very humble and also are willing to show their knowledge to others without anything in return. Um, I find that in you. Um, I find that in quite a bit of the people here in the Seattle scene. And there's maybe that one out of 10, 10% that think they know everything. And those are the ones that are most difficult to be with. Um, Have you experienced something? Have you seen that similarly? Or what is your take on that? I have about as much as you just said. Um, I, one of the reasons, one of the handful of reasons why I I choose to stay in Seattle and operate out of here is because um, not just one, it's my hometown, but there are so many not just talented and devoted people, but good people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nothing beats being able to like, you know, explore a hobby or a passion like music or art with the people you love, like with your friends. Mm-hmm. And I see most of that around here. And to be honest, like I can't say, well, actually, well, I have a good gut intuition about certain people who I might be referring to, but uh, yeah, naturally, you know, you run into some people who, um, have a little bit of a power trip or ego thing, which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, you need confidence, and some people, that's their way of exploring that or whatever. But uh, like you said, it's not, it's, I don't think it's a really healthy way to network because no one likes those kind of people. Right. No one likes being around that. No one likes being told how good someone is. Like, if you're good, show me. Right. Like, just play. And I just, I'll see, like, okay, yeah, you're, you're fucking awesome. Sweet. Yeah, you don't need to tell me. Or, right. But uh, like you said, yeah, it's, the, it's those who just like, man, you talk a lot, but I never see you do what you claim to be able to do. And um, it, does, it does nothing for you. Uh, it does nothing for you. But I, uh, gratefully, I have not seen a ton of that. Um, it's been a few, like, here and there situations, and those people I don't associate with um, because it's... It's unhealthy, and sure. there's no time for that. So uh, I'm just stoked to be in such a hub and solid community of great humans that all are kind of striving for the same common goal. Right. And we can all have fun together and you know, lift each other up and support each other and just have fun, man. Like, there's so much bullshit in the world. And like, why make it, why make it harder? Like, exactly. let's just love and be happy, man. It's so have easy. A have a good time. Because you only have one shot at this limited amount of time here yeah and make the best of make it. the best of it so uh i'm very glad that we have such a solid community um on all levels from all different types of arts and it's uh it's it's really just awesome to be a part of very grateful so i moved up here in 08 from california and the here this is kind of a funny story um i grew up in the san francisco bay area during the rise of the thrash metal scene and the great thing about that time was a lot of great bands from San Francisco get to see the bands before they made it big in the clubs, getting to see Metallica or Slayer or 
even bands like Guns N' Roses and the Red Hot Chili Peppers play in venues as small as El Corazon, you know, venues like the Omni and the Stone. And my first experience to the Seattle sound, and you're gonna trip when you hear this. We went to go see Voivod. Okay. And the opening bands were Prong okay. and Soundgarden. Oh, God. <laughs> and this is when Louder Than Love had just come out. Damn it. And so, wow. who would have guessed back then, seeing this band that had shirts that say Fuck Happens and Soundgarden <laughs> on the back, would eventually start putting out awesome albums like. You know, Ultra Mega OK, I found after that show, and I'm like, dude, this is a great album. Yeah. Why haven't I heard of this before? Right. Then you had Loud Love, and then you had, you know, everything after that, you know, and then they started getting a little commercialized, which most bands do. Once sure. they get a, you know, it, it happens, yeah. you know, and they get a budget. And then, yeah. then you see other bands come along, like New Year's Eve one year, we got to see Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Oh and then... I'm thinking, okay, I'm, and then I've discovered like Mother Love Bone and Mud Honey. Then singles, the movie comes out, and you're thinking that's the stereotypical Seattle scene. Then I move up here in 08, and it's nothing like that. I mean, grunge is still around, but man, seeing metal bands up here, the only metal band I knew of at the time was, oh, Forced Entry. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But everybody else was, you know, grungy or yeah. punk or like the Melvins or whatever. And you know, and then I, I started branching out and meeting people because I wanted to, I needed to settle my roots here, so to speak, before I brought my family up. And then right around the 2012, 13-ish mark is when I started venturing out to see what's out there, and I was blown away. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be a lot of egoism and a lot of maybe some territorial stuff, but every band around here that I've ran into, they're like, you know, this band's great, that band's great, we're putting together shows and none of the genres matched. Yeah. There were all these mixed and matched. Yep. And then you find out that those all, these this guy's playing guitar here, we're playing drums over here. <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, yep. for sure. Is it wrong to think that outside of Seattle, people have got this perception of Seattle's grungy music sound? Or do you think now that with how things are going and with what you're involved with and what other bands are involved with, that that hopefully is evolving over time? The latter for sure. I. I I don't think it's wrong, especially if, you know, you haven't been here. Uh, you could say the same, I guess, maybe about Austin or Nashville or L.A. Yeah, L.A. and the glam metal, San Francisco with thrash, right? Obviously, there's more to all those places. Same with Seattle, but it's not wrong to think that. I mean, that's what put them on the map. You know, those guys, like what you were just saying in the late 80s, like they had an underground community that was just fascinatingly good. Every band was brilliant, and that's why they're still prominent today. And... Um, People, you know, wanted to be a part of that. And that was the coolest thing. That's one of the reasons why I love the grunge just kind of history aspect so much is people naturally wanted to be a part of a organic thing. It wasn't about bands trying to make money or get super famous. It's like, we just want to hang out, play shows. And everyone flocked to that. And like, that's cool. Like, so naturally and organically just inspiring. Um, you know, and over time, it got... A little commercialized, Seattle, obviously, which, like you said, makes sense. You know, you get a deal and you get, you know, some obligations and stuff. But uh, I think now um, it's grunge will always be Seattle's kind of like, you know, birthmark, so to speak, for music. But um, aside from Hendrix and Hart and all that stuff, but uh, it's rebirthing itself in a different way. I think grunge inspires every Seattle band in some way, whether they claim that or not. 
Um, but it's definitely not just what grunge was. Like, you know, there's a lot of cool new, like, artsy, indie, alt-rock stuff with, you know, who the hell knows what you're going to see, which is cool. Like, the performance aspect is coming back. People are doing more, like, performances with their cool eclectic music, which you can hear has some ties to the original, you know, sound of the city or whatever, but it's evolving, which I'm super stoked, and that's, you know, my main mission as a, uh, as a creative um, to recreate, because, all you know, as you know, all art's built on recreation, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to sound like me. But also, like... You'll if you listen to my music, even the stuff I've done now or what Break does, like you could probably tell we're from Seattle, little Nirvana y, you know. But that's that's that homegrown aspect of who I am, and so it's just it's cool to see the whole scene evolving and not trying to recreate all these grunge bands, you know. It's really cool to see it just kind of regrow and kind of try and make it make another mark, sure. you know. Um, and I think we're doing we're doing some cool stuff, man. As you know, we've got a really great community. Everyone's doing a little bit of everything. Like you said, you, like guitar player in this band, drummer in this band, keyboardist in this band, does a solo bluegrass project. You know, like everyone does all sorts of different stuff, which is cool. And I think that's one of the things that uh, bring people to art and music is that organic, again, and natural. Like people are doing some cool stuff and a lot of people don't have that outlet, like that creative outlet. So, and I think that's where musicians and artists can um, really help the world. You know, we need more good stuff and uh, good vibes like that. And uh, people need, everyone needs an outlet like that, a creative outlet. And I think we got a good thing going here. You know, it's kind of sad as like when you and I were growing up, especially my age, I'm a little bit older than you are. You know, music was a part of every school curriculum and it's sad that it's being taken away. Same thing with sports and So you have these kids who don't have an outlet other than playing video games, being on their parents' phones or tablets. And, you know, I look at my youngest son who kind of does the same, but he's also got a really strong interest in art. And so we're trying to foster that and and nourish that and get him to understand, like, you know, this this can be a pretty good viable career. Since you love games, you know, you you can go to this school and learn how to play games or or design games. And so... I, I fully agree that, you know, with, with the creative aspect, you know, and there are people who are better than others. Some people have to work hard at it other than so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Now, like sure. with me, like in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, when, when it came to music, I was lucky in photography to pick it up very, very quickly and get very, very good in a short amount of time because it, it piqued my interest. Anything that I love doing, I'm going to, you know, work at it. But Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, the reason why I went into this because I loved wrestling in high school. And I wanted something other than to just to go lift weights and get on the treadmill. So I found a, the school, I, the gym I was going to had subletted to a martial arts school. And, you know, some people have been lucky to get their black belts in less than 10. It took me a little bit longer, but, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's a way of telling people, like, if you stick with it, like, I've had the discipline to stick with it. And with the good musicians that I found, they don't have to tell people to get affirmation as to how good they are or get any accolades. For me in jujitsu, it was like, you know, I don't have to, I'm not going to worry about promotions. They'll come when I, when my, my instructor deems me worthy. And I, and I use that mentality to help grow my photography and photography, videography business. And people are like, you know, I like the fact that you're really humble and you can talk to me like I'm a human being because there's nothing worse than like doing this to someone and there's nothing worse than being told that by another jujitsu instructor or whomever. And I'm sure you feel that same way when you hang out with other musicians. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I do, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, you nailed it, man. I don't, obviously, as a musician, performer of any kind, you need attention. Right. But that's kind of the goal. Like, the attention will get you paid, essentially, when it comes down to it. So, um, honestly, though, I don't give a shit about what people think of me in general, let alone as a guitar player. You know, I think I'm a pretty good dude, and um, I, I just want to work hard and be the best I can be, and uh, that alone just satisfies that sort of need for attention. It's like my own attention. Right. It's like I'm like, yeah, satisfied when I do something. That's, you know, because I've been so comfortable with that for a long time, even as a kid, which I'm grateful for, just that kind of mentality. Um, it's really allowed me to stay focused um, as to what I want and the goals I want, the you know musician I want to be, just everything, and not letting um, outside sources buy, like make me biased in some way. That might separate my tunnel vision with my goal to something that is not me or something that I right. don't really want. Um, and and so that's cool. And having that confidence takes care of a lot of BS, you know, in terms of how I operate. But uh, yeah, there's nothing worse than someone telling you this or telling you that. And one of the many reasons why I love music and pursue it is because, and there's no right or wrong, man. Like, yeah, you know, music theory is music theory. And that's what I got my degree in. And yes, there are certain ways to do certain things. Mm -hmm. But that's been, that's been, you learn the rules to break the rules, right? right? Like grunge. Musically, Really though, some of the songs don't make a lot of sense. Musically, they don't, if you break them down, but it's like, who cares? Who the hell cares? It sounds good. Mm -hmm. And so, and um, the people, the music elite, like when I was in college, there's you know obviously a, a lot more of that, people who think they know much more, um, like you're blah, 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 that's the wrong mindset, you think incorrectly, this is a elite sort of, system the music theory thing like right, dude right. fuck off like no it's not it's good to know and it's allowed me to do a ton of cool shit as a player but when it comes down to it man no one cares and it doesn't matter right you know it's it funny matter. you mention that because uh taking a business class for specifically focused on photography and this guy throws up two images and, he, and then you have different exposure settings on and then he's like if you're sitting there in front of a client and you try to be technical about these two images, they're not going to give a shit. No. <laughs> they're not going to care you use this exposure settings or these shutter. I'm like, what it boils down to is they want to see the end product. No one cares how you got there. Nope. Just, just be good yep. and yep. be humble. Let these people know this is what the end goal is going to be and do your best to set the expectation and to deliver what you promise. Exactly, man. I, I live by that, exactly what you said, man. Absolutely. And that's really all you can do. Um, otherwise, it, you're just distracting yourself. And, you know, be confident, own what you do, learn, be humble, um, be reasonable, be efficient. Obviously, that's a lot, and that's very, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, obviously. But, um, when it, yeah, when it comes down to it, people just want the end product, like you said. Like, they want something that sounds good, if you're a musician. Or as a photographer, they just want it to look good. Like, you know, um... So it's, uh, you kind of have to sift through the people you keep close to you, um, you know, bandmates or, or just friends, because uh, it, it's tough when we're all doing the same thing, trying not to let things, you know, kind of cloud your own goals. Right. And that, that's not even a negative thing. I'm just saying in general, like, just stay, you got to stay focused and know what you want. You got to know what your end goal is. Otherwise, you're kind of going to float around and that's when shit can really, like, pull you in the 
quote-unquote wrong direction, you know? So I think it's really important to have that confidence and like, this is me, this is what I want. If you don't like that, then, <laughs> you know, don't, don't be around me, man. That's all good. But like, don't waste my time. You know, don't tell me like I'm wrong. Like, just avoid me. Or better yet, if you're sitting there talking so much trash about something I put right. together, what have you done? I haven't seen you do anything. Yeah. You just sit around and nitpick or troll everybody else. And I think that comes from not having that. And maybe it's like a jealousy thing or an envious thing. But exactly. It's like, is that what you have to do to create your own kind of like confidence for yourself? That's sad, man. Right. And I, I don't want to be a part of that shit. I hope you get the, you know, the help or whatever you need to do you. But there's no time to be negative or... To call people out, man. Like, uh, on the level we're talking about, I mean. Like, right. just do you. People want to see some cool shit and hear cool shit. Like, just do it. Put it out there. There's a lot of good stuff. It's not a competition. Right. Like, and that's another thing. Like, this whole, it doesn't matter where you are. Like, the, it's not a competition with the other bands or artists. You know, we all learn from each other. Um, we all play the same venues and we all want the same stuff, but... It, there's no, this band's better than this band, because that doesn't mean shit. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything right. at all. And so we all, want to, we all want the same thing, so let's work together and be happy. And then stuff will happen, because shit won't if you're negative all the time right. and you're too busy fighting and butting heads that you just waste time. So Yeah, wasted time and wasted energy. It's just dumb, and that's dumb. I don't like that. <laughs> but I don't think there's a lot of that. I haven't seen a lot of that um, around our, our scene, our community. Um, it's just knowing, again, I think what you want will keep you uh, focused on, you know, the people that can help you right. or the, the things that can, you know, keep you progressing forward and stuff. But eyes open, man, all times, I guess. <laughs> That's, yeah. Un unfortunately, this week, you know, Neil, the drummer from Rush, yeah. Um, yeah. normally I don't get too, you know, in deep dive yeah. thinking into regards to musicians or celebrities who pass away. But for whatever reason, this one kind of hit me a little bit harder than I expected. Yeah. Um, I think because my family's been so directly involved with cancer that this, you know, finding out that he had been dealing with brain cancer yeah. for three years was... Yeah, I had no idea he had brain cancer at all. And yeah. then you think back, like, okay, well, look at all the other stuff he's been through, you know, mentally and physically challenging for him with losing his family in a car accident or whatever, however his wife or and daughter, then he decided to do a cross country motorcycle trip to, to gather his, his self of well-being again. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've seen them play many a times. Unfortunately, the last time I saw them play was the Roll the Bones tour. Um, I didn't get to see him at Key Arena because he, my son Zach had cancer at the time. So that was a priority. Um, but man, talk about unexpected. Uh, just scrolling through my one of my feeds, right. and Ru I, I saw the post from Rush, uh, their official thing, and I was like, kind of same thing, man. He's the second. I did not cry. The only musician I cried over was Chris Cornell, because he so directly changed my life, and that's a whole different story. He's so and he's a hometown hero, yeah. Um, but with Neil, it it was similar. Um, and I, I've always loved Rush. Saw him live once at the Gorge, which was insane. Mm -hmm. um, and especially a musician of that caliber. All those guys, just to witness that was remarkable. But uh, I, I don't know, man. I honestly don't know how I feel. I'm obviously sad. You know, like obviously Rush probably 
wasn't going to release any more records or anything. Right. But, you know, it's, it's literally it's been a main component in some way, you know, of my life for as long as I've been alive. Right. Grew up listening to Rush. That was one of those bands my family loved. And surreal. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. Um, and they did such a, I don't know if good job is the right way to say it, but they hid that, like his cancer. I had no idea he had brain cancer. I mean, I knew his, his, he's been brutally broken and beaten, like his wife and daughter died, and like I knew, I heard about all that, but had no idea he had brain cancer. Right. Until like they said he passed away, and it's like, Phew. But then I start thinking, like you said, you kind of went into a kind of deep think kind of thing. It's like, he's been in that band for 45 years, like just in the band for 45 years. Like I could not imagine, because you know, we've all lost people, and that's mm-hmm. awful in any aspect, but... Like a bandmate, not just a bandmate, but like a brother, mm-hmm. just, just gone. Rush is dead. Literally, Rush is dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah, I'm sad, but like, imagine how Getty or Alex feel. Like, we lost a brother, man. Mm-hmm. Like, we lost a, it's not just a bandmate or a friend. Like, no, he's a fucking family. Like, geez, I, at 45 years playing together, that close, that intimate. I bet those guys are destroyed, man. And I can't even comprehend something like that, you know, because I haven't, God, I haven't even been alive that long. So, you know, to know someone and, like, work with them so directly for that amount of time and just have it be gone, like, it's numbing. Even for someone like me who doesn't, who can't, you know, relate to that in any way, it's just like, shit. Some very heavy stuff. All right, so we're going to talk now about Music and mostly mostly music centric questions moving cool. moving forward. Okay. Um, your favorite album growing up? Oh, God, <laughs> I had a feeling. You know, I think about that every day. I'm like, oh, favorite album growing up. Oh, just give me one second here. I gotta filter through the. Because <laughs> I've been collecting music since I was nine, since like 1998. Like actually collecting, and I have over a thousand CDs. And so sometimes it takes me a minute to sift through. Um, Favorite album growing up? I had two that I sifted through. Um, Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix and um, Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, um, you know, I'd always listen to both those guys before I played because my dad's a huge fan of both of them and still is. And um, I I think because those are his two, like, kind of, big favorites. Naturally, I kind of, you know, honed in on those guys as well. And once I picked up the guitar, obviously, you know, those two guys are some of the, two of the best. Um, so I was, not only did I love the sound, cause I'd heard those records for years. Cause I was about, you know, I was in middle school and I'd wake up every morning and have a bowl of cereal and on my CD player, I'd listen to one of those two records while I eat. Just listen every fucking morning, not even joking. It was a little redundant. Um, I think I burned out the CDs. But um, I was listening, not at the, and this was really cool, and I had like an epiphany, and I'll never forget this at that time. Um, I, I would listen as a consumer, what I call it. You know, you like the sound of whatever. But once I started playing the guitar, I was listening as a musician. So I'm listening to learn, and because I love it, and like that's how I know like those two records, at least at the earliest part of my musical career, were so... Um, God, I put them on pedestals, man. They, they're just ideal, just 
perfect records in my opinion. And they shaped my guitar playing and me as a musician, which was um, awesome and life-changing. I had an epiphany like, oh, I can listen as a musician too. And um, it really helped uh, kind of uh, allow me to hone in on what I wanted and the style I wanted to play and the technique and stuff. So uh, yeah, Hendrix and Stevie, and still to this day, I, I, that's the, the album thing has shifted over years, but those are two of probably my two favorite guitar players. They always have been. Awesome. Yeah. Favorite band you ever saw live? It could be national, it could be local, it does not matter. Soundgarden. Soundgarden. Which, I, any particular tour? Yes. I was lucky enough to see Soundgarden three times, and I saw Chris live solo once in Oregon, which was fucking amazing. Um, the best, and this is my most favorite live show, and I've been to a shit ton like you have, and but you just know the one that stands out. It was at the Gorge, 2011. Soundgarden, Queens of the Stone Age, Mastodon, and Meat Puppets. And, yeah. I know, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right, yeah. So naturally, so I, I had just turned 21. Like, and I was in college, so me and one of my best friends, Spence, were like, do we have to go? Because Soundgarden's my favorite band. Uh, that, them and Zeppelin, but obviously can't see Zeppelin. So right. um, we're like, dude, we gotta go. So we did the whole camping thing for three days, got hammered and stupid high, and just, you know, really just, like, it was such an experience. It wasn't just a show. Like, all the bands were amazing. But, like, the fact we were, like, in the Columbia River Basin, in the middle of summer, Camping for three days with a bunch of people who are like our family, essentially, mm -hmm. listening to our favorite bands. Like, this is as good as it might ever get. Plus, you know what I mean? mean? You're talking about the Columbia. Just in case anybody who's watching this hasn't, don't, doesn't know what the Gorge is, the Gorge is an amphitheater in the middle of central Washington, almost eastern Washington. And I kid you not, I, there's, there are amphitheaters that are awesome, but there's n no amphitheater yeah. like the Gorge. Yeah, the Gorge is absolutely incredible there's no other place you can go where you see this valley cut from the columbia river with the river in the background with gorgeous sunsets that desert savannah looking colors in the sky as the bands play and you're just like oh my god this is this is how it's meant to be precisely man it, it, it's a magical place and i'm glad we live well it's still kind of a trek to get there but we live you know in the same state which is awesome i also saw rush there um, but yeah, man. Um, and I think what makes that my favorite show, cause I've seen a lot of great bands. We, you know, we, I don't need to tell you about that. We, we know how that is, but the fact that it was a, an experience, like the venue, the awesome lineup, the just where you're in a place outside of home. It's a multi-day thing. It's all fun. Cause you can't do anything else out there <laughs> except sleep and drink and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, I, despite the fun we had, I still vividly remember, and I always will, that whole weekend, man. And now that Chris is gone and uh, all that, like, it just makes it so much more, like, I am so glad I went to that. That was, yeah. Most definitely. What's your favorite concert you've been to? My favorite concert? Oh, there's a couple of them. Um, man, so the first concert I ever went to would be my first one of my favorites, and that was when I went to go see Wasp when they opened up for Crocus in San Jose, California, at the San Jose Civic Center. Nice. Because I was a huge Wasp fan. They put out their first record, 
and after Wasp played, everybody left. <laughs> and Crocus, <laughs> so there was 5,000 there, and when Crocus came out, there was probably like 500 there. Oh my God, really? it, was, it was pretty, I felt bad for them. Oh, it was pretty brutal. Um, Damn. But my, I would have to say one of my favorites of all, all, all time, um, I, I lie, there's a couple of them. So Iron Maiden put out Power Slave and they were doing the World Slavery Tour. Oh. Twitch's sister and Iron Maiden at the Cow Palace. Oh. And then Damn. running down to Los Angeles th- with my cousin, because my cousin lived in LA, we went to Long Beach all four nights when they filmed for Live After Death. Oh my God, really? So we are at that show. Dude, um, nice. Some of my other key highlights is when I took him to his first show, which was uh, in our hometown of Salinas, California. Okay. It was the Scorpions, of all people. Ooh, yeah. We, you know, we didn't ever, we seldom ever got shows in, in California, where we lived at in California. It was always either in San Francisco or Oakland, okay. which was two hours north of us, cool. or in the Los Angeles area. And so now these bands are starting to find new markets to play in, like, kind of like how bands are going to casinos now. Yeah. But we had this brand new sports complex that, that was specifically designed for all the high school teams to play football in. Cool. And the California Rodeo was always there every single year. Okay. So then they decided, like, well, we need to find another source of revenue to keep this place running other than sponsorships. Yeah. Well, why don't we turn this into a concert venue? Boom. It hit. And yeah. everybody, 10, 15, 20 years ago, actually, I think we take that back. That, that was 15 or 20 years, but in, this, in the 80s and part of the 90s, if you try to pull that off then, it wasn't going to fly. Really? Because no one would ever come to town to, to see these shows. Sure. But now that it's a sleeper community for Silicon Valley, you got all these people like, you know what? These bands are coming to town. I don't have to drive an hour and a half to go to these shows. Yeah. I, could just, I could just take a cab or an Uber now. Um, whom else was there? Um, Jeez, and there's just so many shows. Um, the first time I took him to Metallica at the Clink, nice. that was that was that was a that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Um, took him to see Iron Maiden um, down at White River. Well, it was probably about 2010, I'm guessing. I think it was at that show. Um, it was when they were doing the whole uh, Final Frontier tour. Yeah, I was at that was I was at that show. Nice. And so, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, and then also the two, I'm I'm. Iron Maiden is probably my favorite band. Yeah, uh, I've seen them so many times. Nice. But the two shows that mean the absolute most to me were the two times he got to go, which was um, I think it was the Made in England tour. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken on that, and also this past tour, which was the um, yeah. you know the Legacy of the Beast tour. Right. No, I take it back. The Seven Sun. It was the Book of Souls tour, and then this past tour because those are the two times that he had gone through cancer treatments, right. had been in, considered in remission, and shortly thereafter, Iron Maiden played. So those, those were big sure. deals for me. So awesome. yeah, those, those people don't understand, man. Freaking, it's, people, I can understand going to a show and blowing your mind by just having a good time and partying and stuff, but I kind of, I like to take in everything, the ambiance of everything, and I, now that my sons are enjoying going to shows, it means that much more to me. So the next show I'm really looking forward to is we're going to the Gorge nice. to go see Journey. Oh, yeah. And my son Ian, who's, who just graduated high school, he's never been to a show. Oh, so this is going to be his first gig. Oh, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend the money. And I'm, we're, we're 10 rows center stage. Oh, so shit. it's going to be an awesome time. Oh, dude, that's a real experience right there. Oh, yeah. God. Like, can't wait, man. That's going to be a blast. And... Right on. Just the fact that I've got to take him to a bunch of shows, yeah. you know, when I'm about shooting for whomever. And yeah, for sure. 
he gets to experience new things or he's like, hey, this band's coming to town. You should check about, you know, shooting them. Yeah. And there have been times we've gone to shows like, well, I'm not going to, that was not what I expected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no disrespect to the band, but that's just not my cup of tea. Sure. You know? Absolutely, man. Uh, that's cool, though. I, I dig that. Respect so, to that. It's all about keeping your keeping an open mind. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then let's uh, let's, let's go back to question. No, that's, no, it's great, man. <laughs> I've, I haven't been put on the spot like that before, but that's good. It made me think. Um, so, favorite brand of guitar? <sighs> Gibson. Gibson. I I primarily use um, my black Les Paul. It's two thousand six Les Paul standard. The thing is a gem. Um, it's it's perfect. Um, that's my main rig, um, and one I've been using a ton more, uh, especially for break, primarily is my uh, custom Gibson ES-339. So it's a semi-hollow, but it's a little bit smaller. So okay. Smaller dude, so it's a little bit easier to navigate. Um, but you know, like as, as big of a Gibson fan as I am, uh, I've owned Fender products, and I use a Fender amp exclusively, um, and I always will, but I, I use a 04 Strat, um, to kind of balance out the sound, because you know, they're just the best of both worlds, man. Everyone, anyone you see, is like, there's a Gibson. Where's the Fender? Up. Oh, there's a Telecaster or a Strat or a Jaguar or something. So, uh, I like having just that versatility um, with with the gear. And there's so many pieces of awesome equipment, man. But uh, yeah, Gibson is my primarily used rig of choice for sure. And do you like the Fender because it keeps in? When I think of Fender amps. If they're paired with a Tele or if they're paired with yeah. a Strat, you've got that classic yeah. bluesy sound. Precisely. Um, that's one of the reasons for sure. Um, the reason, the main reason why I use uh, Fender amps, I use a 212 Fender Hot Rod DeVille. I've, been, I've used it the same one for like 12 years. Um, and people always come up to me because I, like I said, I'm, I use my Les Paul or my ES almost exclusively um, besides my Strat uh, when I use it. And they're like, do you play a Gibson through a Fender amp, huh? Sounds great. And the reason why I do, um, and I kind of figured this out on my own, um, is I believe, personally, there's a lot of great amps, but the Fender clean tone is superior. Mm -hmm. So my thought process, um, and as a pedal player, um, I want to get the best out of my amp. So that clean, just vintage, awesome uh, tube sound, you put a pedal on that and you get the best of both worlds. And also, you know, despite Orange and Marshall and all these great, you know, amps that I built in Distortion, I don't want to sound like Slash or, you know, Jerry Cantrell or whatever. Like, I love all those guys, but I want to kind of create my own tone. Sure. So my combination of Distortion pedals and, and overdrives and stuff with my clean setting, you know, really allows me to sound like myself. And that's why I've continued to use Fender. Um, I think I get the best of both worlds, and it allows me to kind of create a unique tone that kind of, you know, people might recognize as me at some point. So awesome. it feels good to kind of be comfortable with your gear after a long time, you know. It's taken a while, but yeah, I dig it. Yeah, my uh, my last setup was an Ibanez SR500 nice. with active pickups, uh, Ampeg, uh, two-rack solid-state amplifier with a two-preamp with 12-band EQ on it, and uh, Marshall 4x10 with a uh, bullet driver tweeter in there, all Pecan connections, and unfortunately his... The twin brother had some medical issues where I sold all my gear to sure. try and offset some money, uh, the, the expenses. This is sure. 
2001, 2002. So then I was telling you about my buddy Chris, who's in Cap Common Law Cabin, and right, we, yeah, yeah. we were at work one day, and he, I found out he played bass. He, he plays uh, Fender, mm -hmm. and um, you know, and so we we're just we we're just talking, we we're just bullshitting about music, and he's like, "So when are you gonna start playing again?" And I was like a purple belt or a brown belt in jiu-jitsu at the time. I'm like, hey, when I get my black belt, I'll start playing again. Yeah. <laughs> so then I got my black belt. The yeah. first thing he asked me was, did you get, your, get a new rig yet? I'm like, no, dude, I can't. Damn it. So then uh, <laughs> that's why I decided at the time, this was like 2015 or something. I'm like, you know, if I'm not going to play, I'm going to go shoot shows. Yeah. So I guess it's, it, it satisfied my creative realm, and it helped me get out there and just checking out new music. And um, so then when it comes to musicians, local musicians, who are some of your favorites? Oh God! <laughs> um, I am uh, either in, uh, not to interrupt, but either individually or collectively, like in a band or something. Sure, um, I like that question. Uh, I love everyone in our scene, and I'm so glad to be a part of it as a musician and just as a listener um, myself. Mm -hmm. Naturally, my my preferred genre of music um, leads me to love uh, love the fellows in Woodshed. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're probably my favorite local band just based on their sound. That's that grungy Soundgarden kind of vintage. Saw my Luigi's one night, dude. They were heavy as fuck. They are, man. And dude, <laughs> dude, um, Hunter's Super Six, that big six speaker Fender amp, yeah. dude. But yeah, I love those guys, and they're great dudes. But their sound is just naturally what I kind of lean towards. So they're they're definitely one of my favorites. Um, I do love Lust Punch mm -hmm. um, as a huge grunge fan. Nick and I and Jessica are all great friends, and. Um, Dude, just uh, being an open-minded person, you know, going and seeing PD Normal um, and his awesome David Bowie, Marilyn Manson kind of thing he's got going sure. on. I love that, you know? And it's not my, like, it's totally out of my comfort zone, but I love that. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of balls to pull that off. Man. It does, man. And not many people, I couldn't do Especially that. as an individual. Exactly. And I love his... Oh, man, it's insane. And, like, just seeing him, like, he does such a good job. But seeing him perform, it kind of causes anxiety because I'm like, oh, my God, if that was me, <laughs> I would not be able to pull, to pull it off. So um, uh, it's just, it's really cool to see, you know, bands like, like I said, Woodshed, who just have that awesome rock sound, and Petey, who's doing some really cool eclectic stuff, Lust Punch, um, Watch Rome Burn, as now I'm in a duo, like that's, well, I know they have Petey Normal now, but um, uh, like that sound is awesome. Um, uh, the Morning After when they were together, that whole punk vibe, that was super cool. Um, Black Beat Blue, it just, especially as a, someone involved with the scene, I, my mentality is a little bit different, to be honest, with the local scene, because I want to love everyone for whatever the hell they do. Because mm -hmm. we all need to be friends, and we all need to work together. Um, and so even if like a, a sound is not my preferred taste, it's like, I want to support that, and we should play a show together, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's slightly different, because knowing these people, it's a little biased in how I think of... Um, how this, you know, music affects me as a consumer, not just as like a right. peer or colleague. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, Woodshed is probably my favorite band, uh, just based on their sound and their just natural alignment with what I love. Um, and same with Sun Mother, I like to mention too. Um, that kind of grungy, funky, heavy is that's my home. So, but everyone's so good, man. See everybody. Go out and see a show. Just any 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 club. Go out and check them out. It's gonna be good. It might be weird, but it'll be awesome. You know, yes. regardless, it'll be good. Yeah, throw them a few bucks. Let them know you yeah. support them. Support them, man. Go out, cause yeah, that's how these big names that 
we all stream on Spotify and shit, like become big names, man. Start out l local and they get the support and then boom. And uh, that's what we need. You know, musicians need a little bit more love. And I think people in general need a little bit more R&R &R and to get away from life's bullshit. And uh, I think coming to shows really allows that to happen. So helps everyone out. You know, it's funny you mention that. Um, I, I bring up martial arts quite a bit. Um, so one of the things that our jujitsu coach preaches quite a bit, and not in a very pushy way, but in a very good way, mm -hmm. is that when you walk through those doors, this is your sanctuary from the outside world for however many hours you're here, whether it be 60 minutes, mm -hmm. hour and a half, two hours. Sure. And that is what I feel whenever I walk into a venue to go watch whomever play whether it's a local band or a national act. Everything that's happening outside of that venue stays there. Right. And right. I don't like it when people bring their petty nuances into a show or into the gym. And, but for the most part, you know, like you can go like to Louis G's, for example, you can go to El Corazon, you can go to any of the venues in the local area, you know, the Neptune, doesn't matter. Yep. It just... Everybody's got, for the most part, everybody's got that same vibe. Yeah. Just go and have a good time. Exactly. Just, so. I love that, man. It's so important. And that's how it should be, you know? We're all here to see the same band or to get away from whatever the hell we're dealing with at home or with work or life. And uh, that's how it should be, you know? And um, a, a super cool thing about Seattle is you can find whatever the hell you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Or Portland. And, you know, as close to we are to Portland. Like, you want to go to a brutal metal show? Boom, got it. You want to go to a jam band show? Got it. Uh, funk, indie, acoustic, drum circle, you know, sitar, orchestra, whatever the hell. Like, it, you, can, you can find it up here, man. And um, it's, but like you said, the vibe, most of the time, much more so than not, is so just good. Like, we're here to have fun, and we're family, and we're comfortable with each other. And that's how we meet so many cool people. It's like, hey, you're here. What's up? I'm Brant and so-and-so. And then, you know, you just end up networking and it, it's awesome. That's how it should be. Should. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in closing, got any shout-outs for anybody? Anybody you want to, like, say, hey? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I would like to give a shout-out, of course, to mom and dad. Uh, they have allowed me to live the life I live, really. And um, they've supported me, um, despite not being musicians or really fundamentally understanding what the hell this is all about. So love them and support, uh, the, all their support. Um, you know, all my bandmates, Mr. Master, Mark, Eric, Ian, Jake, and Brake, um, Madison, and uh, this acoustic project we're doing, um, trusting me as a guitar player and as a creative and working with me, because I can be in a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> um, and everyone, every, everyone who's going for it, man. Like, I, I, I could thank people for an hour, but like, honestly, to cut it short, I wanna thank everyone who's living an alternative lifestyle and trying to pursue their dreams, because it's people like that like, the world needs us. The world needs creatives and artists and people who have the guts to take, a, you know, these leaps and gam like, risks, like, financial hits and, you know, relationship stuff. And, and it sucks and it's hard and it's brutal and unrewarding sometimes, but the reason why we do it is because we love it and that's why people love us and love what we do. And stick with it, man. Like, we're doing good stuff. Stick with it and... Yeah, thanks to everyone who, who's got the guts to continue their passions and dreams because I think that's what life's all about. Be happy, do, do you. It's really important. Awesome. Yeah. 
So, man, thanks so much for taking yeah. time out of your busy schedule. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Um, Love you guys. So, yeah, I'll put links in the description awesome. when this gets posted to all. I'll get all that information from you later. Sounds great. And I will let everybody know where to find you online Ooh, and appreciate that. Get get the vibe, man. Thank you. Thank all right, you so thanks so much, dude. Thanks, really brother. appreciate it. Man. Love you, man. Appreciate right, you. Thanks.